May God's grace, mercy, and peace be yours this day in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Text for the message comes from the Gospel reading. Let's pray. O Lord, bless our time with you today. Open our hearts that we might give generously of all that you give to us. Help us to always have the right perspective, that you are the giver. And may the words of my mouth and may the meditations of our hearts together be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, for you are our maker and our redeemer. Amen. Well, dear friends, uh, three weeks ago we started a series that shifted our perspective on life, a paradigm shift, if you will, something that gives us a new view of life. In this sermon series, there have been these overlapping kind of themes from one week to the next as we get this new view of life. They sort of build on each other. Uh, first, we saw the new perspective of our, our life as a manager, not an owner. Then we considered a, a life of generosity. Uh, last week, Pastor Hanel talked about uh, the life of a, of a giver, uh, the kind of spender. What kind of spender are you? You know, there are good ways to spend and bad ways. And we saw that it really wasn't the amount that we give as much as the heart of the giver that's important. And this week, it all sort of rolls together as we look on this new view of life, as I've titled it, A Life of a Disciple of Jesus in Action. Uh, in his book, The Prodigal God, a best-selling author and Pastor Timothy Keller offers an interesting story to illustrate this idea of self-centered giving. This is what he writes. He says, once upon a time, there was a gardener who grew an, an enormous carrot. And so he took it to the king and said, my Lord, this is the greatest carrot I have ever grown or ever will grow. And I, so I, therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and my respect for you. The king was touched, but he also discerned the man's heart and the gardener was turning away to leave, and the king said, wait, hold on. You, clearly, you are a good steward of the earth, and I own a plot of land right next to yours. I want to give it to you freely as a gift so you can garden all of it. The gardener was amazed and delighted, and he went home rejoicing. But that day, there was a nobleman in the king's court. He overheard all of this, and he thought to himself, wow, <laughs> If that's what you get for a carrot, what if you give the king something really good, something better? And so the next day, this nobleman came before the king. He was he leading this handsome black stallion, and he bowed low and said, My lord, I breed horses, and this is the greatest horse I have ever bred or ever will. Therefore, I want to present it to you as a token of my love and respect for you. But the king also discerned the heart of the nobleman, too. He said, thank you, took the horse and dismissed him. And the nobleman was a little perplexed. And so the king said, let me explain. The gardener gave me the carrot to benefit me. But you are giving me the horse to benefit yourself. Interesting, isn't it? In the gospel reading, we heard this. Jesus sat down opposite the place where the offerings were put and watched the crowd putting their money into the temple treasury. Many rich people threw in large amounts, but a poor widow came and put in two very small copper coins worth only a fraction of a penny. 
And calling his disciples to him, Jesus said, I tell you the truth, this poor widow has put more into the treasury than all the others. They gave out of their wealth, but she, out of her poverty, put in everything, all she had to live on. I know that over the last uh, three weekends, since we've been talking about stewardship and, and also about money, you probably had that moment where you start to shift in your seat and go, oh, here it comes, I better grab my wallet. <laughs> and if you were thinking that, well, you'd be right up to a point. Because instead of talking about the gift that this woman gives, I want us to take some time to think about the message her offering of two small coins sent. Because it strikes me as funny, in an odd sort of way, that stewardship often becomes battle over little things, right? Uh, it's become a battle or a debate about a few percentage points. Because, I mean, are we talking the tithe, 10% to the Lord, or, or would 9% be okay? And if that's okay, would, would 5%, what about that, or, or maybe 2%? It's funny how stewardship gets to be a battle over percentage points, <laughs> But that conversation distracts us, doesn't it, from the real point in all this. We spend our time talking about the percent of our money that we give to the Lord only to ignore the 90% or more that we keep and spend as we choose. Why is God concerned about only the little that we give? Or is the little that we give his only concern here? In the gospel lesson, we hear a story about a woman who did not give a percentage to the Lord. Actually, she did. She gave 100%. She gave all she had. I mean, we can really understand if, uh, if she had not given anything. I mean, if she really had nothing of value to give. Uh, she needed money for food and shelter. She, uh, we can, might even make a case for it being poor stewardship for her to give all that she had to the Lord. Except it's interesting that Jesus points her out. He identifies the great faith that was spoken by her offering. Two small coins that spoke a, a great big message of faith and trust. And that contrast is important for you and me as well, isn't it? Because what does it mean for you and me, we who have so much, who enjoy so much, who argue over those little percentage points instead of really giving all. For all intents and purposes, this woman, her offering was worthless. A couple of pennies. Actually, Mark tells us is a fraction of a penny. What in the world can that buy? <laughs> it's an offering that's hardly worth noticing. I mean, how many people really pick up the pennies from the sidewalk anymore? I mean, this was less than pocket change amounting to nothing. Uh, it would probably cost more to send a thank you note to this woman than the value of her offering. And, and so, so to the world, it was nothing. An offering hardly worth the effort of putting the coins in the plate. But God, God saw it differently. God saw this great and mighty offering. It was an offering not from her abundance, but from but all she had to give on, all she had to give. It was an offering that spoke of her faith and trust in the Lord. That she had so little that she would give all to her Lord. Jesus, with, his, with the disciples that day, he was watching and he told them that she gave far greater offering than all the rich that were 
putting in the large sums. It does not take a lot of faith to give a few percentage points of your resources. It takes great faith to give your all. This woman's offering literally shouted out her faith in God's care. When she opened up that, that purse to give the two coins, the only two coins that she had, she was left without. But she had something worth far more. She was left in God's care and God's grace as her only resource. She rested in Him. She gave all that she had and kept only her trust in God to hold on to. Two small coins that spoke that one big message. This woman's offering spoke not of just a little bit of trust. It was a trust without any kind of limit. You know, a lot of times we like to calculate our offerings after we figure out what we need to live on. We set aside for savings or some other things that we want. Not her. She didn't give the leftovers. She gave it all. Her trust in God was not limited to the things that she could not supply for herself. She trusted in God for everything. So she, uh, she was so convinced in God's grace for, that was sufficient for all of her needs. Two small coins speaking a great faith. You see, God was not first in her life. God was her life. I mean, if you have much and you can give much, but you can still be left with enough, a lot of the world's greatest fortunes have been given away by the rich and famous, but you're not going to find them in a soup line, are you? They gave a lot, but they were left with a lot. When you have big resources, it sometimes mean, means you can get by with just a little bit of trust. When you have no resources, all you have left is trust in the Lord. Uh, you know, we live in the world's richest country. And yet, our current economy is putting us through some tough times, especially due to all the actions uh, state by state in relation to COVID-19. And yet things are beginning to open up in some places and the stock market seems to be doing well. But yet even there are people in our congregation who struggle, maybe even to just put food on the table. But for the most part, most of us are not facing things as drastic as that. Most of us enjoy a comfortable home. We don't worry about where our food comes from, only what we want to eat. We drive where we go without fear, except wondering how much it's going to cost us at the gas pump. We buy what we need, worrying not about what it costs, but whether they have what we want. And when our offering speaks, so often they whisper, trust in the Lord. More than they shout, trust in the Lord. We are surrounded by evidence of God's abundant grace and care. And in this gospel reading, we meet a woman who has nothing but trust. Nothing but trust. And Jesus called the world to see uh, what that message her offering spoke. As I read the gospel reading today, did you take a moment and maybe compare what you put in the offering plate in comparison to what she gave? When I read that account, I do. But that's not the real reason for the story, my friends. God's not seeking to motivate you and me through guilt and shame. 
God's not after gifts as a result of guilt, but he's looking for offerings born of faith. Don't put an offering in the plate when it's motivated by guilt. God doesn't want us to speak out of shame. He wants our faith to speak. Think about it. Every time you come into worship here and and we have the baptismal font over to the side and you see that, you're reminded of the grace that God supplied when he supplied forgiveness, life to you, when you brought nothing to your baptism. Every time you hear the rich voice of absolution in the worship service, you're confronted by grace that is a lot bigger than your sin. Grace is free to you and to me, but grace that cost our Lord is life on the cross. Every time you come in and you see the, the table of our Lord at the altar, you see grace that invites you and me to sit in the place of honor, receive the Christ, Christ's body and blood, heaven's bread, salvation's cup, when you did not deserve crumbs from the table. Every time you raise your eyes to even something like the cross, you're confronted with the overwhelming grace of God that met you in death with life, eternal life. And so in the face of such unmistakable grace, can we do anything but say amen and trust in him above all things? I mean, he's the one that supplied us with the richest treasure of all and the gift of eternal life. He can be trusted to care for us, for all of our earthly needs, for this body and life. This is that paradigm shift. That's a new view of life. A new perspective on life and living, receiving and giving, trusting and sharing. We've seen our life as a manager, namely that God owns it all and that we manage what he graciously gives to us. We've seen our life of generosity that, like King David and the people of Israel, we glorify God for his generosity. And then that moves us to honor God with our generosity, the first fruits of everything he's given us. Last week, as I said, Pastor Hanel talked about the life of a giver, a a giver, a spender, getting into the nitty gritty of, of what we give, how we spend what we've been given. And this week, this new view of life, we see that it is a life of a disciple in action, putting feet to our faith. So what about you? How do you plan to give to God out of all the time that he has given you? How do you plan to give to God out of all the talents and abilities and skills that he has given to you? How do you plan to give to God out of all the treasures that he has given you? Well, you take that first step, you take action with your very life. Do your offerings speak the same language of faith and trust as your lips? As a reformer, Martin Luther said that there are three conversions necessary for the Christian life. Conversion of the heart, conversion of the mind, and conversion of the purse. You know, I've said it before, I've said it many times, I cannot tell you what to give, and I won't. The point in the reading today is not what you and I can get by with, but whether our offerings speak clearly the message, I trust in the Lord, like this woman's offering did so long ago.
It is my hope and prayer that our offerings will always speak faith, not fear. It's my prayer that our offerings will always speak of trust, not doubt. It's my prayer that our offerings will always speak of gratitude, not greed. You know, we can spend all day arguing about percentage points, but the simple question is, does my offering, does your offering speak of our faith and trust in God? That was the big message of the woman's two small coins spoke so long ago. Two coins, one message. Being a disciple changes the way that you look at things. It shifts your perspective. You look at everything differently. You look at your possessions differently. You look at your generosity differently. You look at your giving differently. You look at your life differently, especially your life as a disciple in action. And it's, I pray that our offerings and really our very lives testify, maybe shout to the Lord, our trust in him and the abundant grace of God, just as that widows did so long ago. In this new view of life, may God give you and me, may he move us to action as his disciples. Amen. And now may the peace of God that transcends all understanding guard your hearts and guard your minds in Christ Jesus. Amen.